First Chronicles chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. If you don't, I have it on the screen, but I would like you to kind of start bringing your Bible with you, and that way you can follow along and you can... I don't ever want you just to take my word for it. First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 18 through 26. It says, The Reubenites and the Gadites and the half a tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 men ready for military service, able-bodied men who could handle a shield and sword and who could use a bow and who were trained for battle. They waged war against the Hagarites. God delivered the Hagarites and all their allies into their hands because they cried out to him during the battle. He answered their prayers because they trusted in him. They seized the livestock of the Hagarites, 53 thousand camels, 250,000 sheep, and 2,000 donkeys. They also took 100,000 people captive, and many others fell slain. Because the battle was God's, then they occupied or they settled in the land until exile. The people of the half of the tribe of Manasseh were numerous. They settled in the land from Basha to, Bar, to Baal Hermon, that is, to Senor Mount Hermon. And then they... Then they they were. I skipped a little couple of the men right there in verse 24, but it ends with this. They were brave warriors, famous men, and heads of families. I didn't want to try to tackle the names because I'd be embarrassed. But they were unfaithful to God and their ancestors, and they prostituted themselves to the gods of the people of the land, whom they, God had destroyed before them. So God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, that is Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, who took the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh into exile. What I want you to know this morning is, God does not want us to settle here. The Hebrew word for the, the Hebrew word here, it's used in verse 23, is the word yashab, and it means to sit, to settle, to occupy, or to take a seat. God never intended for the children of Israel to just settle. They were made to conquer, they were created to possess the land. If you say, well, where is that at? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 11, verse 22, it says, I, I, if you carefully observe all these commands, I'm giving you to follow the lo- to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, and to hold fast to Him, and then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger than stronger than yourselves. You, every place where you set your foot will be yours. Every territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and to the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. See, we will not walk in full authority and power that God has designed us for if we settle. We may have gifts and we may have talents, but if we settle, they mean nothing. God has given us these things, but if we don't walk, if we begin to walk in the ways of the world, we are rendered ineffective. See, these were, the Bible says that these were famous men, brave warriors, heads of families. These, were the, these weren't just your ordinary people. These were the ones that were at the front, were at the pinnacle. See, when we settle, we open ourselves up to the world. It's easier to adopt the world's philosophy, and when we do that, we become unfaithful. I want you to know this morning, all hell wants you to settle. If we are stagnant water, if there is only an inlet but no outlet... If we sit on the bench, if we're watching from the stands, he, the enemy loves for us to settle. This is a picture of what stagnant water looks like. See, we all love the beautiful springs and rivers and creeks. They, they, keep, they, they flow, but there's always that inlet and that outlet. God wants to pour in so that we can let it out. If we settle, we will no longer be able to do that. In Mark chapter 11... 
verse 12. It says, And in the mor- morrow they had come out of Bethany. He said Jesus was, Jesus is hungry. And he, he saw a fig tree afar off having leaves. He came, if perhaps he might find anything therein. And he came to it, and he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season of figs. And he answered and said unto it, No man will eat your fruit from you, and from now on forever. And his disciples heard it. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away from its roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Rabbi, behold, the fig tree that you cursed has withered away. I've heard people talk about this being a, a cursing of the, the fig tree. But I want to I offer you this this morning. It was more of a judgment than a curse word. He was speaking a truth that was about to come to pass. If we don't produce fruit, what good are we? See, we will dry and wither up and be cast into the fire. If I settle and I don't produce fruit, many of us will say, well, Greg, I'm happy right here where I'm at. I'm settled in with God. See, some of us, this tree, if you notice in the Bible, this tree had leaves. Leaves represent that outward appearance. We look good on the outside, pretty, pretty on the outside, but we go to church, we do all the spiritual things, yet inside we don't, we're not producing any fruit. I will offer you this. There are many, many trees that are in churches every Sunday. Many pretty trees, but are not producing any fruit. Think about how Jesus operated with a tree that had leaves. See, that's what he's saying to us today, is what is it that you do? Are you pretty on the outside, but you're not producing fruit? He doesn't want us to settle here. Everything is good. I'm settled in. I'm happy right here where I'm at. I got a good job, house, and kids. I go to church every week. I'm settled. I got my inner tube. I always used to like to use this as the analogy of how we want to live our lives. It's like this guy up here with his feet just floating down the river. I was raised back in Missouri and Kentucky in that area. And we float the river back there. So I love floating the river. And this reminds me of that. But I want you to understand today, our relationship with Jesus Christ is not a floating down the river. See, these two guys down here, they've got, they've, they got themselves fully involved in floating down the river. It's probably root beer. Probably root beer. I took this other picture because I just thought, wow, look at how many. This is, what, this is what the church looks like. All in their tubes, all riding the river. See, God, God does not want us to settle. The enemy does. The enemy wants us to get in our tube, let our hind in, get into the water, dangle our feet, and, ride the, and just ride the, ride the river. Because, you know, we'll go along and say, well, look, at everything's going good for me. You know what? That doesn't mean you're, you're in the place where you need to be with God. Just because things are going, going good does not mean the stamp of approval of God is on your life. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 16 through 20. It says, Do not listen to what the prophets are saying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, The Lord says, You will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, No harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or hear his word? 
See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, and a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. This one part he says, But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to hear or to see his word? Our proximity to God is always what keeps us in our, in our right relationship with God. This message, this, this is what I want you to take from this this morning. Our proximity to God, our closeness, our nearness to God is what will determine how we hear from the Lord. See, these prophets were saying, hey, basically, peace and safety. Just relax. Get in the inner tubes, all of you. It's almost like this the same message that the church wants to preach today. Get in the inner tube. Ride with us. In fact, if you look at these inner tubes, see, we want to get in as a big group so we can all go to this, down the river together. See, I've told you a couple weeks ago, I have come to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. God is not concerned so much about your physical comfort as He is concerned about your spiritual well-being. Back in 2004, we were at a church in Visalia, and the Lord spoke a word, and, and, and it was through a man that we trusted at the time. He spoke a word over Connie and I. And I remember the word so distinctly about what God was going to do. Now, if I had just taken that word and ran with it right then, I would have probably fallen flat on my face because little did I know the next season that I was going to go through would try me to my very, my very life. See, from 2004 till about 2011 or 10, my wife got so deathly sick that I was having to feed her through a, a pick line through her arm. It got so bad that I had her in the hospital. This little visit this last week reminded me of those days, being down there constantly, all the time being at the hospital, the emergency room, going to visit, not, not friends or family, but my wife. It didn't change the word of the Lord that he had spoken in 2004, but I just didn't see it come to fruition until around 2012 or 13. Sometimes in our lives, God allows these circumstances to come along that will mold us and to shape us into what He has designed for us. It's, it's, it's His time. It's His season. It's His direction. And getting ourselves into that place where we can understand that you're going to be disappointed if you think it has to happen in your time. You are always going to walk in disappointment. You're going to always walk in disillusionment of God. But when you submit yourself to Him, and you say, look, I belong to Him. He bought me with a price. I'm not my own. When we say that, there is no disappointment in that because you know what? He has to care for me. I no longer have to worry about myself because He has bought me. I belong to Him. Whatever happens, whatever happens in this life, it doesn't matter. He's got me. See, how can I say that? Because I can tell you this. The man that Jesus spoke the most highly thing about, which was John the Baptist, only lived to be around 32 or 33 years old. Most of us, almost all of us, are probably already past that time. We've already outlived, in some, if you looked at it from their life, already outlived that usefulness. But see, but the kingdom of God is different. John the Baptist was the man that Jesus understood was so important to the kingdom. And yet, his life was, was very short, very, a small vapor. He spent the last part of his life in prison. 
I think to myself, Lord, is this how the man of God, is this how the one who you say is, was the, the, the greatest among, born among women, this is how he gets treated? This is how he's going to end his life? Yeah. See, that's not something that comforts us, though. That's not what I need to hear. I need to know that everything's going to be good right now. Well, then you know what? If that's what you're living for, if it's going to be, if it's got to be right now and nothing else is going to matter, then you know what? You're probably in the wrong place. Because my satisfaction doesn't come from this life. It comes from the life to come. I told us the last, last week, I said about intermission. Intermission being the death. And we, we, our problem is, is we live for part one. And part two is, is the distance run. Part two is eternity. This part one is short. It's not going to be around that long. It's a mist. It's a vapor. During this time... It, called, it caused me to get desperate for God. I had to sacrifice everything to have Him. And I would no longer chase the gift, but the giver. See, in an adventurous spirit we are. We look forward, not settled, always looking, pressing, desiring more. If the water is not moving through you, then break open whatever it is that's damming that up. See, if it's stagnant, it has to be, that dam has to be broken through so that you can have the things that God's calling you to be. See, you have a good marriage, give it away. You have a good job, you know what? You have to give it away. You have to, everything we have, truly, see, he says this, Jesus said it like this, freely you have received, freely give. I found this nugget of truth only in one place. It's in the secret place. Think about Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. It's the parable of the pearl in the field. And this man, he went out, he did everything he could because he knew that this, in, this, in this field was this pearl. So he bought the field, but he had to sacrifice everything to obtain that. Sometimes I think in my relationship, even with the Lord, I desire more and I'm constantly grasping, Lord, I need more of you. I want more of you. I desire more of you. And I think the Lord sometimes says, do you really? Because Greg, sometimes your actions don't show it. I ask so little of you and so many times you'll fail just in the smallest of things I give you. I'm preaching to myself, not you guys this morning. In part, something you've learned about and people will think about it, but in part, something that has transformed you and it will change lives, it will change nations, it will change the very atmosphere around you. See, I go to the mountains a lot. See, when I go to the mountains, it's that place that I can't just stay at camp. I've got to go and I've got to go to the next mountain. I've got to see what it looks like. There are times when I'll be in the most beautiful place like this lake and I, and I can't just stay down there. I've got to get up to the top of the next hill because I've got to see what's on the other side. There was one place we stayed at one time. Me and my brother were there and we had our wives and, and you know, the, it was a beautiful scene right there. But I said, let's go climb this mountain. And we began to climb and it took us probably most of the day. We got to the top and on the other side, the vast expanse of what we could see, the peaks for miles and miles and hundreds of miles were just fabulous. 
fabulous. And, and we both stood, we sat there for a little while and I said, now is this worth it? See, that's what, how God wants us to operate is constantly. He says, if you can't climb, Habakkuk 3, 3, 2 says, I'll make your feet like hinds feet so you, that you can climb. See, there's a, we have to get to the place in our lives where we won't settle for where we've been. We won't settle for what we've had. We, will set, we won't settle for where we're going to be. We're going to say, listen, I got to go further. I got to press on. And I will tell you, when you're trying to climb these mountains, you know what? The altitude will get to you. The fatigue will get to you. You're going to get tired. You're going to get weary, but you keep pressing on because you want to get to that destination. You got to be. And then when you get up to the top, some of you guys don't know this, but on the tops of some of these 12 and 13 and 14,000 foot peaks, there are jars. And you find these little jars and you open them up and there's a little pencil and a pen in there because some, and a piece of paper and somebody's wrote their name and date that they were up there. And then they say a little something. See, that encounter with God is like that. It's, 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 we don't, they, didn't, they didn't camp there, but they, 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 they wanted to get there. The mountains to me, they, they represent that. I'm not talking about a spiritual high. I'm not talking about a mountaintop experience. I'm talking, and I'm not even talking about what just makes you feel good. I'm talking about spending the time with your Creator, longing to know Him, experiencing, encountering, engaging, and igniting. See, the Bible says in Psalms 91, it says, 91.1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, some of us, I know this, we have been in places, we've, we've heard the voice of the Lord, we've had that encounter with God, but for some reason, we've backed up and we've, we've not pressed in. Or we'll get to a certain level... And the enemy will come along and rip everything apart. He'll tear apart the marriage. He'll tear apart your work situation. He'll tear apart everything he can. And what happens is, no longer are we where we're supposed to be. And we begin to drift back. We get back in the tube. And we're, oh, and we're floating down river again. See, God is calling us to take a contrary position to the world. He's calling us to take a contrary position to the flow and that means that you have to step out. And I, I've said it before, when I get in the Kern River, it is cold, for one thing. In the middle of summer, I don't know how you can be in the middle of summer, July 31st, and you can still come out and your feet, are, your feet and your legs are blue. But you try to stand in that water and that current will push against you. And you try to walk a little, you have to, it's, it's difficult to move. See, but what it's, what it's a lot easier to do is settle and get in a tube and just float down. But if we're going to, if we're going to, Take that contrary position to the world. We've got to begin to, to step out. It's going to cause fatigue. It's going to cause us to wear down. It's going to cause us to say, man, I don't know if I can do it. I want you to know this morning, you can do it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep trying. You know what? Maybe you've been trying to do something. Maybe you're trying to see something in, in your life that gets removed and you keep falling back into it. That's okay. Keep getting up. Keep getting up. Don't stop. Well, I thought you gave that up. I did, but now I'm trying again. You just keep working at it. Say, God, I'm with your help. I'm going to see this. I am going to see this thing through. In Joshua chapter 14, Joshua here is reflecting upon on, on, on the things that Moses said to him. In Joshua 14, 9, 
It says, so on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Remember, this is the command we were going back to the beginning. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said these things to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the the day Moses sent me out. I am as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised to me on that day. You yourselves heard that the Amalekites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as they said. See, Caleb here is 85 years old. He doesn't ask for the easy flat ground. He doesn't ask for the valley. He says, give me the mountains. I know what's up there. I know it's going to be a little bit work. I know I've heard there's giants in the country. I know that I've heard that it's, it's going to be difficult, but so much so for I am stronger today than I was before. See, if we'll catch that fire, if we will but endeavor, if we will not settle. I heard a pastor tell me one day, he says, well, if Greg, if 30% of my church is sold out, that would be good. Maybe if 50% was sold out, that would be good. I would ask you this, how would that work on the day of Pentecost when 120 of them were all sold out? See, if you see what happens on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, that the, the power of God fell because they all came came together in one accord. It wasn't 30%. It wasn't 50%. It was all of them. They could have had it easy. These people had been with Jesus. He had given them authority and power, yet they waited for the promise. They waited for God to pour out His Spirit upon them. See, when I get to those peaks, I'll look off and I'll see another peak and I'll go, I got to go visit that one. It was on the mountain that Jesus radiated. It was on the mountain that Moses' face radiated. When you've been in proximity to God, you will look different. Something distinctly different from everything else. Our proximity to God is what I'm talking about. It's that, like I told you guys last week, it's not that I have a right to do certain things. It's that I don't do them because now, because you know what? Not because it's permissible, because but how is it beneficial to the kingdom of God? Is this going to, my wife said it one time, she said, you said this one time, Greg, you said, I said, you know what, it, it may be very well to do that, but you know what, it just isn't God. And she said, you know what, that, that is something we can grasp a hold of. You know, we do a lot of things, there are neutral things that we do, but it's just not God. When we get to the place where He is our everything, when He is all we think about, that proximity to God, That closeness, that nearness, being with Him. We'll desire it. Nothing nothing else will matter. So I say to you this morning, don't quit. I've fallen. I've failed. Don't give up. Keep going. Get up. Keep moving. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. Set your course. Don't give in. The enemy will throw everything he can, including the kitchen sink, to knock you off your path. Don't let offense, anger, failure, compromise, exhaustion, fatigue, nothing can replace, nothing can substitute this relationship that you have with him. Don't let any of those things keep pressing on. Craig, I want to give up. We all do. The Bible talks about in the last days that the the devil will try to wear out the saints. Where will we stand? 
wore out, riding the river in a tube, going to hell. See, it may be that it's okay just for a moment to get in that tube, but the problem is, is when you get in the tube, where you go. Some of us have questioned, well, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing that? I'll say to you day to day, listen, the thing you should be doing is pressing into God. Don't worry about all the rest. Don't get in the tube. Don't ride the river. Because you may start out doing just fine. Everything is lovely. But just like the children of Israel, eventually the storm comes. Then all of a sudden they find themselves on the opposing side of God. How does it happen? I don't know. It does though. Get yourself into a dead church and I'll guarantee you, you will find yourself dead. Press into God. Keep pushing. Don't give up. Don't give up. Some of you this morning are tired. You're weary. You want to give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. The enemy wants to to destroy you. He wants to take the life out of you. But God says, listen, I will impart myself into you. Let the Spirit of God come in and be that power source. It's not, you, I'll be honest with you, you will not be able to do it on your own. Self-will alone will not do it. I have to have the breath of God at my back. Because that's what begins to keep me moving. I feel His breath. Okay, Lord, you're continuing to blow me. Yes, maybe I'm in the, in the, in the, in the boat and I have my, my sail up and, and I've, I still got the rudder. I, I still have certain control, but, but He's, listen, He's blowing me where He wants me to go. And that breath at my back lets me know, God, this is where you're wanting me to go. And the adversarial wind that's blowing the other direction lets me know that I'm definitely on the right course because that contrary wind of the enemy lets me know that I'm going in, in the direction. In the direction the enemy does not want me to go. It's difficult, guys. It's hard. But God's saying, listen, keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. This morning, as we close, I'd like us to sing Amazing Grace. Let's all stand. Amazing Grace How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Sweet the sound 
it's enough this morning for us. And God, I ask this morning that if there are those this morning that are just feel as though they can't go on, Lord, that they would not settle. Lord, they would not settle there. They would continue to press on, continue to press in. God, that they would not give up. They would not give up and give hope. Lord, I pray that you would impart into them the love, the hope that you have for us. We thank you, God. We bless you in your name. Amen.